sexy day of NFL. Holy cow. Ice yeah. Nation. Like, we were kind of heading into this episode like, you know what? We got some games to talk about, and then that's going to be about it. But holy cow, we got stuff to talk about. Not to mention, we also have Dane and Hughes joining us later, former Kansas City wide receiver. And a couple other things, too. He's got a very, very, uh, his portfolio is wide, big, yes, large. Yes, it is. He does a lot of stuff. We had him on last year, and it was a lot of yeah. fun. So uh, and it's funny because last year we had him on after the Chiefs lost in the Super Bowl. And now we're having him on after the Chiefs lost in the <laughs> game. So next year, we'll, next year we'll be sure to have him on after the Chiefs lose in the divisional round. He's going to have to keep <laughs> the wrong way. Um, yeah. Hey, this is season four, still episode 28, overall episode 148 of On and Off the Field with Durf and Dill and the award-winning podcast brought to you by NSPN Next Gen Sports Media and the PartyCast Network, where the party never ends. It's a lot of fun over here. We do a lot of things. We talk about a lot of stuff. And we have fun. That's what really matters. Are you having Absolutely. fun? Absolutely. That's good. I'm glad. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, let's get to it because we have so much to talk about. Uh, let's get in here and make sure everyone out there is flossing. This segment obviously brought to us by Stefan Diggs, the one and only. Stefan Biggs, recommended by 10 out of 10 podcasters everywhere. Derf, how can they floss? Well, you can floss by following on TikTok, Twitter, Twitch, YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram, all by searching at OOTF Podcast. Make sure you like the podcast by hitting that thumbs up, leaving a heart reaction, or just telling us how you like the show by leaving a review on any of our pages, or more, most importantly, Apple Podcasts. Make sure you observe by watching us live every week at this time at our new time uh, from 7 to 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Tuesdays on Twitch, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. Make sure you subscribe by clicking those subscribe buttons on YouTube and Twitch and making sure you click that bell so that you get notified when we go live. And last but not least, make sure you share by letting your friends and family know about us by sharing off the stream or any posts that you like from our great content. Follow, like, observe, subscribe, and share. Anything on Outfield related, floss. That's what it stands for. <laughs> I think it's really, I think, I think it's pretty cool. I think it's, it's yeah. pretty nifty. It's not bad. Oh, yeah. yeah. Good old flossing. Yeah, we're switching up times. We're getting into the later slot again, getting mm-hmm. back out there. Seven to 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time starting next week. So hopefully oh, yeah. um, that helps helps you show up. You're not Everyone's not eating dinner, you know, 6 o'clock. <laughs> it's a little early. We knew it was a little early. But, yeah, you know, we, knew, we knew what it was. <laughs> that's all right. It stuff happens. But we're, yeah. we're, we're moving it, so hopefully everyone can join us. Um, I'll be sure to take this clip and post it everywhere so people know that the change happened. Mm-hmm. Because there's not a lot of people here right now. All right, so since we have so much to talk about, we're going to jump straight into the off the field, uh, the off the field portion here and talk about this week's Walter Payton Man of the Year nominee. Um, 32 players, we've already gone over two of them, the Seahawks and the Bills, Tyra Lockett and Harrison Phillips. So this week, we're going to take on the Super Bowl teams and their nominees. 
that's kind of what I thought we'd do. We do one of them this week, one of them next week, and then the game, obviously. So I thought that yeah. worked out pretty well. So I like our it. off the field NFL community. M- well, actually, it's not an NFL community MVP. That's kind of dead. So this is just the off the field segment. Uh, if you want to read more about these guys, www.nfl.com slash honors will lead you there. This week's is Bengals defensive end Sam Hubbard. He's really been showing up on the field, too. Mm-hmm. And they had his stats in there. And from his draft class, I believe, of 2018, he's leading in the defensive category of everyone drafted. And he's third in tackles from that draft class. Nice. So Sam mm-hmm. Hubbard, good at football. And for those who don't know, Walter Payton Man of the Year is, you know, performance on and off the field. That's the whole award. So this guy obviously is producing on the field. Let's see what he does off the field. Sam officially launched the Sam Hubbard Foundation, which is helping the people of Ohio combat hunger by providing vulnerable children and families with educational, medical, and athletic resources. Sam hosted his first foundation event at the Fowling Warehouse with all the proceeds going towards community impact in the hunger space. This year, Sam also hosted his annual youth football camp in November, Sam will be hosting a Thanksgiving food drive. In December, Sam will be hosting a group of kids for a shop with the pros night. Also in December, Sam will be launching his Ohio Fed campaign with homage to benefit the Free Store Food Bank. Additionally, Sam worked to surprise Hudson Lee via the Karen Wellington Foundation. I'm not sure who Hudson Lee is. That would probably take some research. Mm-hmm. But Sam planned, executed, and launched his COVID-19 fundraiser via GoFundMe, which went on to raise over $85,000 to provide 250,000 meals for Cincinnati's Free Store Food Bank. Sam also hosted his annual Aquafina Youth Football Camp in 2019. The camp raised over $20,000 for local nonprofits. Sam also created the Sam Hubbard Scholarship Fund at Moeller High School, Moliere. Molier sounds better. I don't know why I think that people would pronounce that mule bar for some reason. M O E L L E R. For anybody wanting to put that into like Google Voice and have it like read back to you, <laughs> there you go. Whoever wants to figure out if that's molar or Mueller or molar, Mueller, whatever it is, he made a scholarship for them. So he's done a lot, and it sounds like he's just getting started. It says he officially launched the Sam Hubbard Foundation, so I'm assuming that might have been in 2021 he started that, and all of these things right. mentioned, I think, probably happened this past year. Mm-hmm. So it says in November he'll be hosting a Thanksgiving food drive. I'm going to assume that was last year. Um, right. Yeah. So he's getting all this stuff off the ground to help the great, the great state of Ohio. Mm-hmm. So he is the nominee for the Cincinnati Bengals, and he's going to be out there in the Super Bowl this this coming two weeks later. Yeah. Good stuff. Yeah, absolutely good stuff. Thank you, Sam, for being who you are and giving your time and money to that back into the community. Oh, yeah. Um. So while we wait, we have plenty of time uh, before Danon is going to join us. Mm-hmm. So I would love to sit here. What's up, Mr. Busby? I'd love to go into detail and start talking about the breaking news from today that yeah. is kind of shaking up the NFL. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and there's just tweets coming left and right and statements being made by everybody involved. Uh, this is the Brian Flores lawsuit that he is bringing to the NFL. Um, he is claiming that he doesn't really have a job or he's not taking being taken serious in these interviews uh, because of his race and the things that he has claimed, you know, kind of makes sense to a point. Mm. I, I kind of want to break down these different scenarios that he's brought up, but overall he's suing the NFL for racist practices in these interview processes of trying to get a head coaching job and including stuff that he has had to deal with, with the dolphins organization as well. Yeah. Um, so I kind of, I, I wanted to start from I, where I think is the beginning mm-hmm. a little bit, uh, which I think goes back to 2019 with the Broncos interview. Okay. I, I think it was 2019. Um, apparently the first, the first thing he's claiming here, I'm doing this kind of chronologically, um, mm-hmm. but he, he went to Denver and apparently when he showed up to the interview, well, he was apparently on time, John Elway and whoever the GM was at the time. I don't remember the name. John Elway. Okay. It was John Elway, and then who else was it? Was it the owner? Someone else? He met. He gave. He gave another name. I'm trying to okay. find it, uh, but I don't want to sit here and search forever. Right. It says Ellis and others. Elway, Ellis, and others. There you go. President okay. Joe Ellis. They apparently showed up hours late to the interview, and they were also apparently drunk to some point, either hungover or drunk, one or the other. And they this interview was just not taken seriously, whatsoever. Jeez. Um, which in my opinion, mm-hmm. and then they, a couple days later, like one, two days later, they announced Vic Fangio as the head coach. So they already had their candidate. So right. this was just basically an interview to check a box mm-hmm. due to the Rooney rule. Yeah. That's, that's kind of the thing I'm taking away from this. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we do have a statement. I, I want to at least look at this right now, live. Um, the statement from the Broncos. Yeah, a statement from the Broncos. If you want, do you want to read it? Look at it. Um, I can pull it up here because I'm I'm just kind of curious what they're saying because this is like this is live. I'm like these are the tweets that are we're getting these tweets right now. I'm right. curious what they're what they're you know what what's the defense here? Are the Broncos fighting back against what Flores is saying? I saw something. Well, pull up here. Get the good old Shefty tweets here. From what I'm seeing right away, the Broncos are denying that what he's saying is false about what he said about Elway, Ellis. Right. Yeah. 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 Basically, they're saying, you know, he had a 730 a.m. interview time. Was basically there until about eleven, just about eleven a.m. And actually, the Broncos came to him because it was in Providence, Rhode Island. Rhode Island, so he was still a part. Of, he was like still, you know, home based in New England for working for the Patriots. Still then, um, I was seeing something else, um. I thought I just saw a Shepter tweet too about, you know, it's uh, 
diversity and ownership is that really maybe someone else is that that i think that's what's leading to the problem here yeah, but kenny stills should... tweeted it and then adam Schefter yes. retweeted it the answer is diversity and ownership mm-hmm. um i mean a lot of these details are going to come out in this process in my opinion oh, yeah. brian flores will not be coaching it at the bare minimum this season uh while he attacks this right yeah, he's, he's gonna be pretty busy trying to you know, take down the NFL here, not take it down, but you know what I mean? Right. Um, but before we continue with the allegations, uh, Mr. Busby, in my opinion, that's why the Rooney rule is counterproductive. These teams are able to hide it behind rather hide behind it rather than exposing the ones who do not interview minorities at all. Yeah. They're just, they just kind of, they're checking a box. That's what I saw someone else say. And that's exactly what it mm-hmm. is. Yep. You know, if, if you hire a black coach, there's, you know, there's benefits uh, via draft picks. And then right. you have to just you have to bring in a, a a black head coaching candidate just to check a box, whether it's serious or not. And I think mm-hmm. teams aren't even trying to hide it currently. Hey, what's up, Dexter? How you doing? I, I in my opinion, teams aren't even trying to hide it. Because if this Denver Bronco thing is true, they, they already had the candidate. And they just brought him in because they had to. And I'm pretty sure that's what Brian's right. thinking. That's where all this is coming from. And it happened again. Mm-hmm this year because apparently he went to the new york giants for an interview but before he even got there somehow some way this text conversation happened with bill belichick Mm -hmm. i don't know it's very weird all right this whole situation is just weird but apparently bill belichick was talking to a guy named brian (laughs) it's it's all he knew (laughs) and he's telling him hey congrats you landed the job you know and he and flores responded did you hear something that i didn't he's like the bill says the giants you know mm-hmm. isn't that exciting and he's like flores is confused he says i have an interview on thursday i think i have a shot at it and bill just says god i hear from buffalo and the giants that you're the guy hope it works out and then flores is like yeah that's what i want um just a quick question who are you talking about? He said, do you think you're talking to Brian Flores or Brian Dable? Just want to make sure <laughs> that bell bill. Chell, bill says, sorry, I effed this up. I double checked and misread the text. I think they are naming Dable about the, the head coach. I'm sorry about that. It's just the weirdest thing, right? That's so first weird. and foremost, why does bill even know who they're hiring? Is there like an email chain going around that Florida isn't a part of? And it's just like, hey, the Giants guys are just like, hey, by the way, we're hiring Brian Dayball. Like, why why is this a conversation that he's involved with in the first place? Mm-hmm. And then he gets his Brian's mixed up. And then the main part, the main point of all of this, the main point is the Giants already had their head coaching candidate picked. Mm-hmm. They were going to hire Dayball. But Brian Flores is just coming in. We got to check that box for the Rooney rule. And this is now the second time this has happened to him in the past, you know, three years while he's looking for head coaching jobs. Right. Because he's obviously fired from the Dolphins, which is a whole nother portion of this. Yeah. I mean. This one was really, that, that, that portion was very really intriguing. The whole Dolphin situation was pretty disgusting. 
in my from what I can tell, and I'll, I want your opinion too on like what you read. But basically, from mm-hmm. what I read, what I gathered was the Dolphins hired Brian Flores to just be a fall guy. Hey, we need right. you to come in here, and we need you to lose games. We're mm-hmm. gonna pay you a hundred thousand dollars for every game that you lose. We want you to tank this team. We want Joe Burrow. We want the first overall draft pick. And you're just gonna tank. And then what the the unspoken part, in my opinion, is all right, after you tank and we have a couple bad seasons and we get Joe Burrow, we're just gonna let you go and bring in a real candidate, a real head coach that we want. Because mm-hmm. you're just here. So once you suck, we'll fire you and then we can bring someone else in. That's how <laughs> I saw it going based off of these texts that I saw. Right. Yeah, so what, I mean, what's your opinion? Did I just misread the whole situation, or what's up? No, that no, that's pretty much it. That's uh, ownership for the Dolphins just kind of doing what they can to make their team better, faster-ish. I guess it, or they're attempting to make their team better a certain way that doesn't involve the head coach that they literally just hired. Um, and I love that Flores was like. Yeah, no, I'm just gonna I'm I'm gonna win some games here. You know, we're gonna take Tua because I'm gonna win some uh, win enough games to move us down the board. And um, yeah, it definitely uh, makes you wonder what other ownership is doing this um, with their with their head coaches. Uh, did maybe the, did the Troy Lions do this with Dan Campbell? Yeah, I, I don't know. So, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's uh, but I think so. I think that, yeah, there was the whole paying Flores for losing for tanking, um, in the 2019 season. And then I know I didn't get all the information out, but there was a whole situation where like ownership invited Flores to their yacht for lunch, and like a quarterback was. Yeah, in the area out, they, they're outside the tampering period the legal tampering right. period and they wanted him to go meet with a quarterback and do some mm-hmm. tampering and flores said no <laughs> and this this goes back to why brian flores was fired this year by the dolphins i think well not i think right. this is basically fact yeah was there was a disagreement between ownership and flores on how the team should be ran and that's because Flores wanted to win games and ownership yep. did not. Yeah. Like if, if Flores just complied with the team, Joe Burrow might be a dolphin. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of <laughs> what it sounds like to me. That, that yeah. was their plan. Mm-hmm. And Flores said no. And I think ownership in the front office tried to sabotage him because that's when they did all of those trades. You know, they're just getting rid of people. They did the purge. Yep. And they got all these draft picks. And they built a good team after they did all that, and Flores did what he could with what he had, and it turned out pretty well. But it, yeah. it was opposite of what they wanted and as a result. Yeah, no, definitely. It was a... Uh... Yeah, I don't know. It was uh it's, it's, it's just weird. I don't know. I, I mean, th- I this is uncharted territory. Right. In my opinion. Well, it's not even my opinion. I mean, this is just... I saw somebody else tweet out. I think it was yeah, Chris Mortensen said the lawsuit filed by, by, by Brian Flores is as courageous and, in my opinion, as necessary in action that I can remember in covering 50 years of sports. 
which you know basically just says this is this has never happened in 50 years of sports no one has tried to attack this narrative that there's not enough black ownership or leadership in the nfl and flores is calling it out saying the nfl's not doing enough and he firsthand right. doing these useless interviews and not following the leadership advice of the dolphins front office mm-hmm. and he got fired and he's calling all this out he's not just gonna be like you know we see this stuff happen it gets reported and then it all just fades away brian's like no it's time to address the situation and of right. all the perfect years to do it is the year where John Gruden is fired because of some emails that included mm-hmm. racist, sexist, et cetera, things. So it's just like, it just seems like perfect timing to attack it. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, Brian Flores came out and said, God has gifted me with a special talent to coach the game of football, but the need for change is bigger than my personal goals. Uh, and making the decision to file the class action complaint today, I understand that I may be risking coaching the game that I love and that has done so much for my family and me. My sincere hope is that by standing up against systemic racism in the NFL, others will join me to ensure that positive change is made for generations to come. He has taken the bullet of attacking the NFL and Mm -hmm. maybe being shunned by all the teams for wanting to hire them anymore him anymore as a coach he's taking that bullet to attack them and hopefully this brings about some change yeah definitely needs some definitely needs some changes as a result of this happening today and i find it interesting that this came out today I don't know if I'm playing devil's advocate here or not, but he Brian Flores had interviewed for a couple of positions, a couple of high coaching jobs that you know he had interviewed multiple times with these teams, like the Texans. Like, did, did the Texans basically just you now say, "Yeah, we're gonna think about it, Brian," but you know we'll get back to you. And Brian took that as, "Yeah, they're not gonna hire me," you know. No one's hiring me, you know, in the last two How many times weeks. has he been told that? I mean, you probably right. think at this point. You know, I'm it's sure like, the Giants probably told him that. Hey, we'll give you a call. And then a day or two later, they hired Brian Dable without giving right. him a call back. And I'm, I'm pretty sure Flores, I think he interviewed for the Broncos this year. The Texans. I think the Giants he did an interview for. Trying to, I don't think he did. Jacksonville or the bears or vikings but um but you know he he had you know he had interviews lined up and you know he went through the process to find himself a new job and it once these you know head coaches started getting hired and he you know they were still saying he's got interviews to go through then you know he's not he, he's not gonna get hired if they didn't make a choice by now um because he was available for interviews long before some of these other coaches that are getting hired and I mean, yeah, he, you know, he, um, you know, based on what he said there, you know, he definitely thought it over pretty, pretty well. And like, this is a, I think it's a more actionable lawsuit than possibly what we had seen with Colin Kaepernick. Yeah. I think the main issue with 
Colin was his attitude towards the whole thing and during the process. Right. He was a little bit too immature and took more of a, um, I don't know if this is like PC, but like kind of like a Black Panther route in Vietnam. Like he kind of chose violence of words instead Mm -hmm. of, you know, like what Brian's trying to do, you know, take it to court. Let's get the facts together and let's try and make change. Mm -hmm. I think Colin took a little bit more of a (laughs) political route, maybe. I don't know. Right. Um, Yeah. But it does kind of start with Colin. You know, he he definitely brought these issues to light and made a conversation at least happen amongst the players. Now mm-hmm. it's happening at the, the leadership level, head coaches and front right. office and whatnot. Uh, the Giants came back. You know, we, we already read the Broncos statement. They said it was false. The Giants said, we're pleased and confident with the process that resulted in hiring Brian Dayball. We interviewed an impressive and diverse group of candidates. The fact of the matter is Brian Flores was in the conversation to be our head coach until the 11th hour. Ultimately, we hired the individual we felt was most qualified to be our next head coach. Um, I I read that, and it sounds like a cop out, right? Like I feel like they know what they did, and they're just like, well, you know, we thought he might be a good candidate. We brought him in. They're like, ah, no, never mind. We'll just go with Brian Dable. That's kind of what it sounds like. Mm-hmm. That's what they're trying to make it sound like. But in all honesty. You're just like, oh, yeah, we still have to bring in. Oh, uh, yeah, just give Brian a call. Bring, yeah, bring him in. <laughs> that's that's how I read it. Right. Um, no, for sure. It's a very messy situation right now that nobody has answers for. And we have no idea what kind of things this is going to bring in the offseason. This could be mm-hmm. a small thing that, you know, we talk about a couple things, and then it's just like, you got no room here, Brian, and then he maybe he's like shut out of the NFL after this, um, or maybe you know they just all go their separate ways. You know, Brian still gets some kind of coaching job, or mm-hmm. major things happen. There's a huge shakeup. The Rooney yeah. Rule is completely changed to something that actually helps black coaches get hired. Mm-hmm. Um, who knows? The possibilities are endless. Uh, the NFL, my, the last statement I'll read here is actually from the NFL itself. Well, this, this should be fun. <laughs> the NFL and our clubs are deeply committed to ensuring equitable, equitable, or uh, equitable. equitable. That sounds like a weird word to use there, but okay. Equitable employment practices and continue to make progress in providing equitable opportunities throughout our organizations. Diversity is core to everything we do, and there are a few issues on which our clubs and our internal leadership teams spend more time. We will defend against these claims, which are without merit. So the NFL is pissed. Mm -hmm. That is not a statement of we will go through the due process and listen to what Brian has to say. That is the NFL saying, screw you, Brian. We will attack you if we have to. Right. That's... Because the NFL thinks that none of this is happening. But I think Brian Flores has firsthand experience of this happening for sure. And you said the NFL is pissed. I did not expect. You know, I, I, I with like now now this just as I read these, it just kind of get this is getting worse and worse for me. Because mm-hmm. now, instead of the NFL at least listening to the conversation, 
they just came out and straight up said there's no merit to this this is garbage this is not happening in our league they're denying it that is a horrible look for the nfl who approved that statement i'm (laughs) baffled like all the other statements are just kind of defending themselves you know the giants and broncos put out what you'd expect themselves to put out Mm -hmm. that nfl one they're taking a stance against the situation right because they think the rooney rule is working (laughs) and they think that teams aren't taking advantage of the rule and just you know going through the motions on these things to fulfill a requirement you know per the nfl so the nfl thinks nothing wrong with it they're they're interviewing you know coaches of diversity and you know, everything's fine. I don't. I don't see what you're talking about. Ooh. So it'll be a. It'll be a spicy. We'll see what happens in this, this lawsuit. Yeah, something that now that I've read that statement, I, I don't think so, so it gets gonna. I think it's gonna get a little bit more messy now. Because mm-hmm. somebody's head's gonna roll, whether it's gonna be the NFL, some kind of exact execs, whatever the case may be. <laughs> There's <Right>. no way. <laughs> That we make it through this alive, uh, boy, this is gonna be this is gonna be one hell of an off season. Oh yeah, Whew. and we still got a Super Bowl to go. So yeah, um, hopefully we'll be joined by our guest shortly. Hopefully shortly. shortly. Hopefully shortly. I was aiming for six thirty, but that's okay. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna rush Dane and Hughes. This dude can he can do whatever he wants. <laughs> I ain't gonna sit here and tell anybody what to do. Um, so while we wait for Dane in the show, if we can let's talk about the 49ers and Rams. We were supposed to be joined by Danny Boy, but I was just informed that he cannot make it. Um, he's he's, he's, he's probably preoccupied. Yeah, it's unfortunate. Something came up, I'm sure. We have an entire off season to talk about stuff that we we're going to talk about with Danny Boy. So <laughs> it's, not, it's not like we have to talk about the 49ers in the Super Bowl. So <laughs> it's just going to be off season talk. There you go. Got all the time in the world for that. And I find it funny. As we shift to like actual football news now, like things happening, like football related, um, I find it interesting that we've already heard from the 49ers that they're looking for a trade partner and from Jimmy G. I like, hadn't heard that yet. So, that's, oh, you didn't hear that? No, that's that's oh, yeah. They me. straight out came, they straight up and just said that, yeah, we're we're looking for trade partner. Like both of them, they agree. Jimmy G said, yep, I just want to go to a winning team. And John came out and said, yep, we're going to work with Jimmy and the other teams and find him a good trade partner like this. They waited, what, two days? Right. <laughs> to announce this? Like, oh, my God. And, uh, I don't know how much he's going to get out of a winning team, but we'll see. I mean, I've already had some conversation. Well, not even conversation, just, you know, argues arguments in the comment section. I make an opinion and people attack me. That's how it works. And that's how it works on social media. <laughs> um, so we got the 49ers lost to the Rams. Uh, 20 to 17. The 49ers did have the lead 17 to 7 at one point, but a dis- once again, just classic Kyle Shanahan style. Um, yep. Kyle Shanahan was the genius behind the 23, 28 to 3 collapse in the Super Bowl. Yep. And then he was also the genius behind the 49ers collapsing against the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. And mm-hmm. then obviously the collapse that just happened this past weekend. It wasn't as big of a collapse, but it was. You know, still a collapse. 
Uh, the two the two moments I obviously go back to, one of them is Kyle's fault in this game when they had the lead, was they had a second and one mm-hmm. that they got off of a nine-yard run. And what did they do? They run up the middle on second and one, where I'm thinking, you know, take your shot on second and one. That's your take-a-shot play. Right. If yeah. you have second and that short, I think anything like second and three and shorter, that's your take-a-shot play. Get yep. something downfield, in my opinion. Because that's, mm-hmm. you know, if you get the third and short, okay, it's at least it's a manageable third down, we'll, you know, convert and we'll get back onto the horse here. Right. But instead, he runs up the middle into the teeth of the Rams defensive line and gets absolutely just shut down and lose a yard. So now it's third and two. All right, we got third and a long two. You have Debo Samuel. I mean, on that drive before this situation came about midfield, Jimmy G was dealing for the most part. He was hitting his checkdowns, had a couple like 10, 15 yard passes in there. He was doing great. Mm-hmm. So on third and two, they handed off to Kyle Juszczyk right up the middle. And he gets stuffed for a no game. <laughs> and then they go out there and try and draw him off sides and do all this nonsense, but they end up just punting. That, in my Ooh. opinion, is where it, everything changed and i think that's kyle's fault that is 100 kyle's fault yeah and then obviously the other point is when tart dropped the interception but that's just dropping an interception that's on him he's already taken the blame for that there's no point in lighting him up for it he's already he's already came out and taken the heat for it so whatever obviously mm-hmm. a big play but coaching wise huge mistake by kyle shanahan in my opinion definitely yeah I mean, it's uh, do you have your own turning point in that, or like something that you like what, whether it's the Rams coming back or the 49ers messing something up? I mean, I feel like there was a missed interception there that was like, I can't remember who what happened now. I can't, well, like, I don't, I don't, I watched the game, I don't remember the exact play though, but I keep seeing this highlight where it's uh. The 49ers literally had an interception in their hands. Yeah, that was at like tart. nine minutes in the yep. fourth quarter. And, you know, they could have just gotten the ball back and slowed things down and, you know, stopped the comeback that the Rams had. But, yeah, that was, I think, I think it's not an option there. And a little surprised that the, the 49ers kind of played a. They, they slowed down a little bit here and, and this later in this game. They they tried to play controlling, and you, you can't do that against this Rams team because the Rams did what they did. They, you know, got into a, you know, a quick-tempo offense and caught back up and then took the lead to win. Well, it's classic Kyle Shanahan. Right. Look at the past two, the, the past two times that they've yeah. lost. He doesn't know how to manage a clock with his playbook when they have a lead. Mm-hmm. Up twenty-eight to three, he just put the they just put the brakes on against the Patriots when he was with the Falcons, and he just started running the ball a bunch of three and outs, a bunch of conservative right. playing, and they lose. And then when they get mm-hmm. to the Super Bowl against the Chiefs, Jimmy G's dealing. He missed one play to Emmanuel Sanders downfield, which yes, that's on Jimmy G, and they would have won the game if they connected there. But yep. outside of that. Just run the ball, you know, yeah. conservative, and the Chiefs kept caught up and won. Mm-hmm. And here we are, 
against the Rams in the NFC Championship game. You have the lead in the second half. You have second and one where you could put the gas down and just keep driving down the field, but you just take two run plays up the middle and punt. It's not going to change. This is his philosophy. And yes, Jimmy G needs to go and he will go. But boy, Kyle Shanahan, this is the, this is the trap that teams fall into. It's the trap that Seattle's fallen into. Mm-hmm. You know, you have some success with your head coach, but you can't get it all the way. You just can't punch right. through for some reason. You have the talent. You have this. and you, you, you have the chance to win the Super Bowl. And then it's like, well, if we fire our head coach, you know, we have to start over. You, we don't know if we're going to be better or worse. It's like, you can't just keep going. What's the, the, the quote from the Far Cry video game? You know, the definition of insanity is trying the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. Kyle Shanahan has been showing a track record of failing in big games for years. Yeah. I think he should be fired. And if you're going to go with a new, just like Dylan said here, seems like a good sign for what Lance has shown them, what they can, you know, they're so quick to conclude that, you know, by getting rid of Jimmy G. I They had Lance in a couple games. He looked like crap. Yeah. <laughs> he looks horrible. <laughs> Which is what we all thought. This kid played what in South Dakota State or something? North, North Dakota State. North Dakota State. Yeah. Oh my God, he's horrible. He's awful. If he's your future, I mean, hopefully there's some kind of progress here in the offseason. Holy shit! Because <laughs> he looked bad. Like I know Jimmy G is bad, but at least the offense had some rhythm when he was in there. Mm-hmm. When Trey Lance was in there, it just was it was all over the place. Go back and watch those games. I beg you to go yeah. back and watch those games because I did, and it was horrible. Like, yeah, the only reason they kind of were in those games, they weren't even in all of them. But you know, there was a, there was that big play opportunity that they could break one because he has mobility, and they had Debo Samuel and Eli Mitchell in some of those games. Like, mm-hmm. they had the big play potential, and they hit a couple of those. But constant drives down the field and like maintaining, impossible. Trey Lance couldn't do it. It was impossible. Yep. Oh God. He's bad. I, w- I can't wait to get Danny Boy's opinion on it. Hopefully next week. Oh, yeah, hopefully next week. Get, got heated on that a little bit there. Because I've heard people say that multiple times about Trey Lance is like the future. Oh, God. It's just like the same thing with the Packers. You you really want Jordan Love to be your future? We saw. We saw that, okay? We, we saw Jordan Love. No. Absolutely yeah. not. If you get to learn from Aaron Rodgers and play behind Aaron Rodgers for what two two years now three years, and mm-hmm. you still look that bad, I can't I can't help you. Just well, <laughs> that's the uh, that, those are the beds that the 49ers and Packers made, and it's time for them to lay on. Yeah, but you know what I said. I know everyone wants you know the Broncos hired uh, the offensive coordinator there, Nathaniel for, Hackett, and Nathaniel Hackett as their head coach. So everyone. Everyone already already thought Aaron Rodgers was going to go to the Broncos, and now they hire Hackett. You know, it's based. People are saying it's basically a guarantee that Aaron Rodgers is going to be a Bronco next year. I say, I say, wait. I say, hold on, because I say that the Bay Area, Aaron Rodgers' favorite team growing up, they have an open position. Oh. 
That is Why would he hysterical. want to go if there's an open position at his favorite team ever that he was rooting for when he grew up? It's his team yep. and was sad he didn't get drafted by them. Yep. And there's an open position now when you're looking to change teams. Mm-hmm. Why would you not? Like, yeah, you can go to the Broncos and kind of do the same thing Peyton Manning did and follow in his footsteps and go there at the end of your career and win him a championship. Great. Right. Okay, okay do it. But why not go out with like, with your team? That's what yeah. I would be thinking. A great defense over there. Debo Samuel, Eli Mitchell, you got weapons. I think I yeah. you do have to make space, and Danny Boy already told us that George Kittle is probably not going to be there. So there's your cap space for Aaron Rodgers. Mm-hmm. Maybe he takes a discount for his favorite team. I'm just saying. Possible. And, and it's very possible. I think there's a lot of options. You know, I think the you know, Steelers, Broncos, 49ers are, I think, are all for, all, all for grabs here. And it's, it's ironic that you said the 49ers because I literally told Dan this yesterday um, in front of one of, my, one of my coworkers who's a Packers fan. And I'm like, I, I, he could go to the 49ers, and it's exactly what you said. He grew up like he's a fanboy for the 49ers. That's why he can't beat them. <laughs> and uh, he's been he's laid down in the playoffs four times now, just so yep. he wouldn't beat his favorite team. That's <laughs> that's what it is. I'm telling you, it's rigged. <laughs> but yeah, no, I think it's uh yeah, uh, 49ers could be an option for Aaron Rodgers here. What's going on, Mr. Hardy? Welcome to the show. Yeah, I, I'm put. I'm putting my eggs in the 49er basket for Aaron Rodgers. And I, I commented on that. That's the thing I was talking about where I said, you know, mm-hmm. they posted something. It was uh, the BR Gridiron Facebook page. And I kind of said, yeah, send Jimmy G to the Packers and trade for Aaron Rodgers. That's what I said. I got attacked. People oh, are mad. Boy. Like these, like y'all need a con- it's a it's an opinion, right? These people are like attacking me. Like I don't care if you attack me, I'm just not going to deal with it. But it's like, right? Calm down, calm down guys. Jesus, um, I don't know if Jimmy G going to the Packers all makes. Yeah, I don't know about sense that. for him. I think it. I you. I think Ron, I think you're on to something. I think here. Um, I just don't know if the 49ers trust Trey Lance right now. Are you really no. gonna if you're gonna be in the NFC Championship game this year? And then put your faith in Trey Lance to get you back there and maybe in, and probably further. Because that's that's a goal of a team, especially a team that was just in the NFC Championship game is to be better and mm-hmm. make it to the Super Bowl the next year. Like, you don't get to the NFC Championship game and then, oh, we lost and uh, let's rebuild. That's not a thing. <laughs> no, there's enough talent on that team that they don't have to rebuild. They just need to fix a few key pieces. And they didn't use a lot of George Kittle this year, surprisingly. No. He was very so. If, if maybe that was a sign that they're just like trying to, you know, let's you know, let's throw him a few less passes and see if we still win games. Um, and it panned out for the most part. I mean, they still produce for from what I saw, but um, right. Forty ers Packers, let's get it done. Uh, <laughs> for the Rams, they're going to the Super Bowl. We'll talk about them in a second, I guess. Um. I do want to talk about the Bengals and Chiefs game real quick. I don't know if we're going to be joined by Dana today. We might try again next week. That's fine. It's completely fine. Yeah. We'll work it out. Things, things come up. Yeah, that's fine. I got no problem with that. 
Um, so the Bengals and the Chiefs. Bengals won in overtime, 27 to 24. The Bengals did oh, not win yeah. the coin toss. No. And it took 13 seconds of game time for Patrick Mahomes to throw that interception in overtime. <laughs> that is called karma. Bro, what the f- <laughs> I think hold on, I got it on here. What in the fuck was that? <laughs> the football were, gods are a very real thing yes and they create a masterpiece from last week to this week <laughs> <laughs> like oh it's just it, there's so many things like that so the chiefs obviously drive down the field and tie up the game with 13 seconds left they win the coin toss and ot against the bills and they win on their first drive but now you come over here the Bengals drive down the field. I believe was it the Bengals that ended up tying it up that brought it to OT, right? Or did the Chiefs have no, to drive the down to tie it up? The Chiefs brought it back to brought it to OT. So they bring it to OT. And then they win the coin toss. The Bengals get the you know, they still got to call it. They didn't go with Tails Never Fails. They went with heads, the opposite of Josh Allen. And now mm-hmm. Tails Never Fails for the Chiefs. <laughs> um, so the Chiefs win it, and then it took 13 seconds of OT. And then he threw Padre Holmes threw an interception, and that basically mm-hmm. sealed it for the Bengals. Yep. Absolutely incredible. But the, the main story is here the Chiefs were up 21 to 3 at one point. Mm-hmm. 21 to 3. And they ended up scoring three more points in the entire second half as the Bengals come roaring back to win it in OT. And now obviously, this is I don't know, this is not a hot take. This is just you know what I think happened. That stop at the end of the first half mm-hmm. completely changed the game. Not only did it change the game for the Bengals defense, completely hyping them up to make that stop before the end of the half. Right. Not only did it do that, it completely changed the idea, the dynamic of the Chiefs' offense. Mm-hmm. Because as they reported after halftime, because you know what Aaron Andrews or whoever it was on the sideline, they talked to Andy Reid. They talked to the coaches when they come out and they give you like your their one liner, what they told them. Yeah. Andy Reid was pissed about the situation <laughs> because Patrick, instead of kicking the field goal, Patrick said, Give me the ball. I want to score. And Andy Reid said, Okay, you can, you know, just take a shot, you know, just make leave time on the clock. Right. And then he, he couldn't find anyone in the end zone, so he dumps it off to Tyreek, and he gets tackled, and the, and the clock runs out, and they go into the locker room. Andy Reid was pissed. Mm-hmm. I think just the entire dynamic, head coach, quarterback dynamic, they couldn't get over that moment. And right. Patrick Mahomes not only was the defense playing high, at a higher level now for the Bengals, and they made some adjustments, Patrick mm-hmm. Mahomes, he was throwing everything but darts. He sucked. Yeah. He threw for like what fifty yards in the second half. Two it two was, interceptions with the OT like, one. Yeah, it was probably something like that. I know, and that was literally a replica of what happened in Week Seventeen. Horrible. Because that yeah, because that's what they that's what they had to come back and do in Week Seventeen with the Bengals. Because mm-hmm. the Bengals at halftime were down, I think twenty eight fourteen. I did the math for the game. I don't remember now. I think it was twenty eight fourteen. For the week 17 game? Yeah. I think it was 21 to 10. 21 to 10? Okay. I think it was, 11, it was an 11 point deficit, and this week was an 18 point deficit. Same exact thing then. Yeah. It just couldn't finish against the Bengals for some reason. 
So mm-hmm. someone on the Bengals deserves a lot of credit for being able to make halftime adjustments. Yeah. Because that's crazy. But I mainly attribute this to the, that one play at the end of the half because it changed the dynamics and the moods on both teams in opposite directions. <laughs> yep. That's how and, I saw it. Oh, yeah, definitely. And I think that that ending of the first half, that stuck with Patrick Mahomes that he could not shake that because he, you know, he might have got tore up a little bit there in the locker room when Andy said, yeah. you didn't leave any time on the clock and I told you to do this and you didn't do it and poor game management. That was one that they thought they had it in the bag because they were up 21 to three and they made that little bit of a slip going into halftime. The Bengals had a great stop there. That was great tackling by the Bengals defense there to stop Tyreek Hill from tri- you know, twisting and doing the thing that him and Kelsey do where they hit you and turn and twist mm-hmm. and then you can't, you can't get them. Um, but yeah, so the guy was listening about this on another show and I kind of heard it, read it a little bit about it too, but, um, cause I wanted to hear about what the Bengals kind of did there on defense and that, you know, they, they made the perfect adjustment, um, on defense. And Andy Reid even said that, that, you know, they, they showed us a different look and we didn't adjust. Um, I think they went to a three man rush. And then, you know, dropping eight back, which really, you know, they played a lot more man. You know, it, it, it stumped Patrick Mahomes um, where, you know, his favorite, his his first, second read aren't there. You know, then he's, he's throwing these bad balls because he's trying to force it somewhere, throws the interceptions. Um, but, I mean, give it credit to the Bengals. This, this is a team that comes alive in the second half and just, well, you can do whatever you want in that first half, but we're going to take over the second half and we will win. And is, is this a sign from the football gods? Because Tom Brady retires mm-hmm. and then we have this new quarterback arriving and he makes this amazing 18-point comeback in the playoffs. Is this a sign of the new GOAT? Of our new, like the new generation, is Joey Burrow the next Tom Brady? It's because you know it's like coinciding, right. like one leaves and it's like I'm here. Like Joe Burrow's <laughs> like I'm here. Like I'm the new Tom Brady now. Like right. I feel <laughs> it's it seems like I mean, such like a like a weird like circumstance, you know? I mean, I, I don't know. If I talked about this last week or not. We talked about kind of like you know in the divisional round where Mahomes is that Brady. And Alan Peyton Manning, you know, style, you know, mm-hmm. it's these two, you know, great quarterbacks with each other. And then I looked at this weekend and I thought, you know, who was big at the same time those two were, or mid, you know, early mid 2000s? Ben Roethlisberger. He did not care what happened on that field, he knew what he had to do. And that is exactly Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow is completely cool as you as cool as a cucumber on the field. Don't give a blank and gets the job done. Doesn't matter if his line sacks him. You no, know, that's that's the him take nine sacks, take you know eleven sacks. that get called back on a couple of them on uh, the Titans game, but that's where we're literally seeing this the, those mid two thousands quarterbacks. Where now we're seeing that generational shift. 
and bring it on. I'm all for it, but yeah, you know, I just hate how it's the AFC still though. Like, when does the NFC yeah. get its turn? Like, what the? F- <laughs> the NFC has these crazy defenses though. Like, it's That's, like, yeah, I guess. you know, it it you know, AFC takes a lot of offensive stuff, and the NFC just has those defenses that will. They're ball hawks. I feel like a lot of it, but or you have these great, you know, the great defenses that just you know get to the quarterback all the time. So I know it, it may it it's weird, but that's I don't know why that lines up that way. Yeah, you got Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, Lamar Jackson to a point. Like can't you can't leave him out. He's still good. <laughs> it's just amazing what the AFC has made. Like right. the kind of talent that's just all around the league, you know. Mac Jones might make, you know, one season of improvement. Maybe we'll see mm-hmm. what he has next year. I'm excited. I'm excited to see what Mac can do. I think he had a decent rookie year. Mm-hmm. It's nothing that you can just shake your fist at. You know, he had a good. He had a good year still. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what he does with the little changes they've had there in New England. You just you know, don't forget about Davis Mills. Yep. He stuck on the Texans, but damn it, he had <laughs> he had more 300-yard passing yards by himself than any other rookie quarterback uh from his draft class. So, mm-hmm. tell you what, he got some brewing down there maybe. You never know. <laughs> good, old, good old Texans. Deshaun yeah. Watson if he comes back, you know, he'll he's he's technically still an AFC quarterback. <laughs> um yeah, mm-hmm. f- futures in good hands quarterback-wise with all these guys retiring. So, mm-hmm. we don't have to worry about some kind of lack of lack of talent in the nfl ever no Uh, so we are running out of time so that means we have to make some super bowl predictions and we can do it this week but we will obviously be doing it again next week we have two weeks we will revisit it we have two weeks to figure this out that's the beauty of it we can make predictions now our initial reactions how we feel after mm-hmm. watching these two games and then you know we'll listen to some interviews and you know do some you know how well does this team perform against this and blah 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 do all that research mm-hmm. you know, listen to what people have to say do our own research and we can make picks see if they change next week so maybe someone will get arrested in that time frame who knows <laughs> anything's <laughs> possible in today's nfl at least at least the raiders you don't gotta worry about the raiders mm. um so rams are actually at no the Bengals are at the Rams. As this is the second year in a row that the that one of the Super Bowl teams is at home uh, for the for the Super Bowl. But technically, the Rams are the away team, it, which is the dumbest. Which is dumb, but dumbest thing I've ever heard. Because they they alternate AFC NFC at home. Yeah, I just ignore that. But Don't worry about. I it. know they're at home. <laughs> the away the away <laughs> team is at home. <laughs> Don't don't worry about it. It's still it's still the home team in their stadium. Whatever. Yeah. Uh, one of the teams is at their home stadium. Crazy, still crazy. But the Rams don't really have fans to worry about anyway, so it'll be, barely be a home game. It was funny during the 49ers Rams game. There was one point. It was, it was like a big moment for the Rams, like a third mm-hmm. down or something. And um, they're they're showing like shots of the crowd. You know, like they're yeah. all like you know they now they just do that sometimes. Show a bunch of shots of the crowd while they're cheering. Yeah. One of the shots they showed. Was it was literally half red, half blue. (laughs) 
like this is a big moment for the Rams. They're showing Rams fans, and they show one shot, and it's just like it, it was half red, half blue for 49ers fans and Rams. Like it was just, it's just sad. These right. LA teams just do not have fans because this goes for the Chargers as well. This is oh sad. yeah, and the Rams trying to stop the 49ers from buying fans from buying tickets. That is disgusting. Mm-hmm. That's filthy as it gets. It didn't work. Obviously, because no, there's work. a lot of 49ers fans there, but that, that was filthy that they even tried to do such a thing. Mm-hmm. So my initial reaction here for the Bengals playing the Rams. The number one thing people love to say is that the Rams defensive line matches up really well with the Bengals crappy offensive line. And it's just going to be, you know, it's going to be that defensive shutdown that the Rams are just going to be able to do whatever they want in the trenches. And Joe Burrow's going to get sacked nine more times like he did at the Titans. But, you know, with a better secondary or something, you know, they're going to just shut him down. It's going to be a disaster. The Rams are going to win. My argument for Joe Burr to win the Super Bowl is he's already had pressure in his face. He got sacked nine times with the Titans. Mm-hmm. The Chiefs were in his face all game. He escaped all those pressures, a lot of them in the second half. This dude is a baller. He's athletic. He does great outside the pocket. Unlike Patrick Mahomes, when he's running outside the pocket, he's just running for his life. He doesn't know what he's doing. Joe Burrow, (laughs) he escapes pressure, and he looks downfield. He goes through his reads, sees where people are, and then he sets his feet and throws. Joe Burrow knows how to handle pressure, and we've seen it twice already in this postseason. Three, if you want to count the Raiders a little bit, it wasn't that big of a deal. But, you know, he he can handle <laughs> yeah. pressure. Yes, right. it'll be a problem with Aaron Donald, Leonard Floyd, Von Miller. It will be an issue. But he can overcome it. We've already seen it done. Jamar Chase against Jalen Ramsey is going to be amazing. Mm-hmm. But we've already seen Mike Evans beat Jalen Ramsey. Why can't Jamar Chase beat Jalen Ramsey? Jalen Ramsey is not immortal. This guy is not... He's very good at football. He's the best corner in the league right now. Mm-hmm. But he's not he's he's not unbeatable. And Jamar right. Chase is amazing. They have Higgins. They have Boyd. They might get Oz- Uzama back after his injury. He had a little bit of an issue. He might be ready for the Super Bowl. Right. But I think that we're going to get a great game, and the Bengals will once again come out on top. With Evan McPherson kicking the game-winning field goal, goddammit. This dude, Evan McPherson, I've never wanted an opposing team's jersey more in my life than an Evan McPherson jersey. This dude is an absolute straight baller of a man. I love him. Shooter McPherson. Oh, my God. This dude is amazing. Like, Did you see that clip from the Chiefs? You know, they tried getting a little video... Uh, from the Chiefs game, he's sitting on the sideline. He's just like, the camera's pointing right at him. He goes, hey, you're not going to get a lot of footage over here. Just a lot of, uh, you know, drinking water. And he, like, drinks some water. And uh, rooting for our defense. That's all he said. He's just cool as a kid. <laughs> I love this kid so much. And he's a, I've said it last week. I've said it on Twitter a billion times. Mm-hmm. This is our next. This is Vinatieri reborn. Steven Goskowski oh, yeah. reborn. Evan McPherson is amazing, and I think he will kick the game-winning field goal for the Bengals. Love it. I, I initial initial pick here. I'm I'm, I'm taking the Bengals. I uh, 
I love either one of these teams that get the win here. I think it's, you know, the, basically the, the name of the, the episode here. These are the most yep. likable quarterbacks that we have <laughs> in the Super Bowl right now. Um, I, I threw it up there. That's in the, like, the description. It's just like, you don't right. want Stafford to lose. You don't want Burrow to lose. Right. I mean, Can both teams win the Super Bowl. Can we share? Like, <laughs> this is. It's gonna be and so it, sad to watch it, Stafford and lose. And then a tie and just never never win. Yeah, just just you know, we go to six <laughs> overtimes, just call it. We're calling it. You got we'll just split the trophy in half. Put all your names on it. <laughs> as much as I, I as much as I want to hit the Rams be, because they've kind of gone completely all in. And you know, Stafford, you know, literally punch a ticket to the Super Bowl literally a year to the day after he gets signed by the or gets traded to the Rams. Um, maybe this is, you know, Stafford gets over the hump. You know, the Rams are going to have a to get rid of a lot of their players. I feel like it's going to be, they're going to be in cap space hell um, yeah. in the offseason. And they don't have any first picks until 2024, I think. Oh yeah! Um, as soon as some of these players have to start leaving due to cap, I mean this this team is going right. to go through one of the worst rebuilds like in history. This is going to hurt for the Rams. Oh yeah! So it's like so, now or never. Right. So like that you see, yeah, that aspect. You know, you know, Matt Stafford get it done. He was he suffered in Detroit for all those years. Comes to the Rams, they're still loaded because they picked up all these free agents during the season with or, or trades. Um get you know they get it done the Bengals are up and coming still the Bengals aren't i don't think are gonna go anywhere for a while still and you know i i don't know i i'm i'm it's a 50 50 50 50 split here for me pretty much um but i'm gonna take the Bengals just because of what they can do second half wise where that defense gets i feel like the defense gets better whereas the rams the offense tends to pick up i think a little bit more pace in the second half to kind of pull them, you know, back from being down in games. So I like I'm, I'm picking the Bengals this week. So we both we're both taking the Bengals currently. Mm-hmm. TJ is picking the Jets for the 2055 Super Bowl, which is like drastically reduced from anything else he's ever brought up to us during this yeah. show. 2055 is amazing. Uh yeah, Super Bowl picks. Pulling for the Bengals, however, I think the Rams will win. If the Rams win, I can Odell Beckham Jr. just knock it. <laughs> he will get one, and he deserves it too. He's balled out for this short period that he has been mm-hmm. um, with with the Rams. And I want to I want to look something up real quick because I think I I already have your Super Bowl bet. I already know if you want to make some money, this is going to be a guaranteed money maker. All right, mm-hmm. I just have to I have to find what the actual what it actually is. So, uh, first half total points is currently set at over under 24 and a half. 100% under. Yep. 100% under. Like, it'll be lucky if they get 10 points in the first half. Yep. Yeah, it'll be one of those things where they're going to spend the entire first half you know, canceling each other out, trying to figure out what the each team is bringing. You know, there won't be missed opportunities for either defense in the first half. The second half is where we will see the gloves come off, and it'll just get wild. 
Yeah, we've already seen both these teams struggle in the first half throughout the playoffs. Now I could mm-hmm. see the I could see the Rams scoring a touchdown or two because right. they might take advantage of a slow to start Bengals defense. If yeah. if a team was going to take advantage of a slower defense out the gate, it would be mm-hmm. the Rams taking advantage of, advantage of the Bengals. I think. Yep. Um. So we might end up getting like twenty points. Mm-hmm. You know, like two touchdowns from the Rams and a couple of field goals between the two. So maybe twenty, but you're not getting twenty five points in the first half. There's no yeah. way. Um. We got uh, Joey Burr from Al Stud, Super Bowl champ, and he will be smoking a victory cigar when he does win. Yeah, this dude has smoked a cigar <laughs> like after every victory over the past like five weeks. I feel like, yeah, you know, clinching the AFC North, and then winning their first mm-hmm. playoff game, the next playoff game, and then the AA. Like this dude, <laughs> this dude's gonna have bad lungs by the end of the season. Like he's got to slow down. He's, he's gonna uh... get like, you need to be able to breathe, bud. I'd like to see the Bengals win. I really enjoy Joe Burrow. That's that's the point. That's the title of the episode, like you said. It's the battle of the most likable quarterbacks. <laughs> uh, can they both win? I just they both deserve it so much. Adam Schefter reports the Buccaneers signing an undrafted quarterback by the name of Brad Brady. Ooh, Brad Trady. I think you want Brad Trady. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh yeah, rest in peace to Tom Brady. His career's over. Yeah, yeah. I don't think we we really didn't talk about that much at all this episode. No, I mean we they they announced it Saturday because of inside sources, and then Tom Brady said, ah, "Just nope, that you're wrong right now." Yeah, and right. then there was the whole thing about him being on a podcast, like the Let's Go podcast or something they mm-hmm. do. Um, and then today he was like, "Yeah, I'm I'm good. No, I'm going to retire now." He was because- basically just working out what he wanted to say this whole time for his post. Right. That's basically because <laughs> he's probably known since the end of the season. Mm-hmm. And then he just wanted to do it his own way. And he was probably just working out the graphics that he wanted to post. Yep. And then someone just beat him to the punch. And yeah. But he is officially retired. Yep. I don't expect him to see, I don't expect to see him doing anything football related for anything three to for three to five years. Makes sense. I think he's just going to be out there just doing life because he's done which this football is, thing for 22 years, man. Which is basically what he said that he was going to have to think about, you know, in his post game press conference after the loss of the Rams. So, do yeah, it up. He, he deserves as much time as he wants. So, nobody offer him jobs. Nobody just leave the man alone. <laughs> he gave us 22 years of amazing yeah. football. Leave him alone. I, I did see that there's some, uh, Talk of that he's going to sign a one day contract, one day contract with the uh, the Patriots as kind of a um, mm. his homage to them as being like they they drafted him, so he's actually going to officially end his career with them. But I don't know. That seems like that seems kind of silly. I don't know. You see it in other sports. The it NFL just seems not as yeah. Especially with quarterbacks, like sometimes you do that for like long term. Mm-hmm. Like you see, you saw the Lashawn McCoy do it with the Eagles. Yep. Like you saw, I think a couple of Seattle players did that. I think maybe Cam or someone for the Seahawks did that. I don't remember who at this point. Um, but a lot of players do like to do that. You just don't see it with quarterbacks, right? It doesn't really because if you know, I feel like quarterbacks are such a high prestige. Mm-hmm. They don't really need that stupid little ceremonial one day contract. 
Like when it's just like a running back, a defensive player, you know, something like that, and then it's kind of nice for them, you know. Yeah, I do this one day thing, a little ceremony, it'll be nice. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, he's retired. It's and it's, it's it is kind of sad, you know. Just kind of end on this note. It is a little sad to see Tom Brady go. We're gonna be watching football next year without being able to watch Tom Brady. And it's the first time that's gonna happen in twenty like longer than <laughs> I've been watching football. Right, twenty-two years. I mean, I the, I remember the first time I really started watching football as a fan of my own team was in two thousand five, mm-hmm. and Tom Brady was already playing. <laughs> yeah, he was already doing his thing. So, pretty incredible stuff. Yeah, definitely. But that's all we have for our show today. Um, kind of. You know, lost out on. Uh, hopefully, next week we'll have Dane and on. We will surely try to have Danny Boy on to see how the 49ers offseason plans are going to go. Uh, oh, yeah. Retires a Jet or a Cowboy says for Tom Brady. That would work even better. One day contract <laughs> with the Jets. And then the Jets fans can go around saying, Yeah, Tom Brady, that stint with the Jets, really amazing stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Cowboys don't need that. Um, no. Yeah, so we're we're gonna be heading into the off season here soon on out and off the field. So if you if you want, I'll put this out here for just about anybody. If you want to come on and talk about your team and how their off season is gonna go, I know TJ's here, Horny's here. If if you want to come on and lay out your plan for your team for this off season, just let us know. Send us a DM. We'd love to talk to you. We'd love everyone's yeah. perspective on how because we don't know sometimes. We don't follow every team. We need some no. help sometimes. Yeah, it's always good to get another, you know, another fan of a team, different another another team's perspective. It always helps. So we'll reach out to some people. I'm sure y'all reach out to us. Let's uh, enjoy a weekendless uh, football weekend. You know what I'm trying to say? A football this weekend? Yes. Yep, that one. Because it's not actual football on Sunday, guys. It's it's a, it's flag football. Oh yeah, there's a Pro Bowl. Yeah, I'm not. I'm why I'm not watching that. Oh, I'm good. I'm good. Yeah, just so yeah, Russell Wilson made the Pro Bowl roster. That's that's how that's how bad yep. this is at this point. So and Josh Allen turned it down because he said, "I need to heal my body from this ravages season." He's and he's playing golf. in the in the Pebble Beach Pro Am tournament this week. Hell yeah, <laughs> that's what I'm going to be watching. I'm not going to watch no Pro Bowl. I'm going to watch Josh Allen golf. Yeah, there you go. That's what I want to watch. <laughs> so <laughs> enjoy your weekend. Make sure you spend it with your families. And then we have the Super Bowl. Very exciting mm-hmm. time for football. We're rounding out the season. So we will see you next week. On and off the field. Uh-huh.